Under lockdown, the police have been given extraordinary new powers. Seeing police on the streets, ordering people back into their homes, evokes images that don't sit comfortably with the British people. What do the new rules mean for Bobby's on the Beat? We're doing things that we would never have expected to have done before. I don't want to be challenging the public as to how many times they've been to the shops or where they're going. Are some judges right to say this is what a police state is like? Will it change the public's relationship to the police for good? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, policing a lockdown. 
a huge rise since the first release of figures two weeks ago. The fines, brought in to enforce the lockdown, are at the sharp end of a drastically different approach to policing in the UK. We've had officers using loud hailers. Guys, you can't stay on the green. Can you all go home? To order sunbathers to leave parks and public spaces. Can you all go home, please? It's not a holiday. It's a lockdown. We've had drones up in the air pursuing walkers on the Peak District, breaking up gatherings in Suffolk and Sussex. Officers get it wrong. We've seen people prosecuted under the wrong legislation. Have you been surprised to see the police, for example, targeting people who are sunbathing? I mean, in a way, I'm, in a way, I'm not surprised because I think, uh, and this is just a personal view, but I think sometimes certain members of the police can be a bit gung ho. Jonathan Ames is legal editor for the Times. You give them a broad set of rules, and they will go out and interpret them and use them as they see fit. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me. I'm a bit depressed by it because I don't think that giving people on the spot fines for sunbathing in circumstances where they're clearly socially distant, is even if it's technically within their powers under these rules, I think it sends a bad message to the public more widely about policing by consent and police being reasonable and considered. Policing by consent, that's the idea that the police exist to serve the public. They're just like us, citizens in uniform, not instruments of the state. It's an idea that began with Sir Robert Peel and the birth of modern policing in Britain. And it's an idea that we've been exporting all over the world ever since. But now, new lockdown rules have made policing by consent almost impossible. To deal with the unprecedented situation caused by coronavirus, the government introduced the Health Protection Coronavirus Restrictions 2020 Act for England. The Health Protection Coronavirus Restrictions, England, Regulations 2020. Restrictions on movement. During the emergency period, no person may leave the place where they are living without reasonable excuse. A. To obtain basic necessities. The Act has some very wide-ranging powers. B. To take exercise, either alone And they seriously impact on people's movement. C. To seek medical assistance. D. To provide care or assistance. E to donate blood. Who they can associate with, whether or not they can go to work. F. To travel for the purposes of work. And therefore, without an excuse, broadly again, people will be committing a criminal offence. G. To attend a funeral. I. To to access critical public. In relation to children. L. To move house where reasonably necessary. There's a list of about 13 examples of reasonable excuses, which is quite a wide list. And that includes physical exercise. But importantly, there's no legal definition of exercise or, in fact, the number of times you can do it. M. To avoid injury or illness or to escape a risk of harm. These laws do seem quite draconian. How do they compare in historical context? Are they sort of on a par with terror laws that we've had in the past, or are they worse? Well, I think these are far more wide-ranging than recent terror legislation. I suppose some people would say that the obvious comparison is to some of the emergency legislation or rules that were brought in during the Second World War, where certain 
categories of people found themselves under very draconian limits to their movements. But I would say this is certainly, within the last 100 years, the most draconian type of measure that's been imposed across the population as a whole. So is this an unparalleled moment for people in the police? I mean, how difficult has it been? I think certainly there were some bedding in problems. Asking every police officer in the country to change the way they operate at such short notice and introducing these draconian new rules, whether for public protection or not, it's a very difficult operation and officers had to learn on the hoof. Have any of them told you how difficult they found it? Several officers have said it being difficult. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, John. It's really tough. I've been a police officer for 27 years. John Apter is the head of the Police Federation for England and Wales, which represents the rank and file officers, the sort of frontline policing. And he is a very experienced police officer. John Simpson, that's John the crime correspondent, interviewed John Apter last week. I could never, never have imagined Despite all of the training scenarios I've been involved in over the years, some of them really extreme. He told us about going out on patrol with some colleagues and how bizarre the experience was and and how difficult it was carrying out duties that run counter to his instinctive understanding of what policing is in this country. I could never have imagined that we would be asked by our government to police in the way that we are being asked to police. It rubs against our natural way of policing, which is policing by consent. You know, the the public are the police and the police are the public, and long may that continue. Along the way, there have been some very public missteps. A woman has been fined for breaching the new coronavirus restrictions after she refused to tell police who she was and why she was at a railway station. Faria Kareem, a colleague of mine, called me up to discuss the first conviction made under the new legislation. This case involved a woman named Marie Dinu. She was 41 and she was found by officers to be loitering between platforms at Newcastle Central Station. They questioned her. She didn't respond. She didn't speak at any point in the process. So they arrested her under legislation that is technically for people who are deemed by medical professionals to be displaying symptoms of COVID-19 and refusing to self-isolate. But they had no evidence that she had COVID-19 or any symptoms of it? They had no evidence that she had COVID-19. They had no medical professional saying that she had coronavirus and she was taken to cells, kept there for days, prosecuted at a magistrate's court who found her guilty even though the legislation clearly didn't apply to her case and she was fined £660. I mean, that's remarkable. The police who arrested her and the magistrate, that's a whole sequence of people who seem to have got it very wrong. Yeah. So we brought in a QC, Kirsty Brimelow, who found that Ms. Dinu hadn't committed an offence under that legislation and that it was unlikely that she'd committed any offence under more appropriate legislation. The case was overturned the next day. I mean, I don't necessarily think there's any malice on you know, the part of the police. I think the likelihood is that it's just a lack of awareness of what the rules say. And I think more broadly that there's an issue around the senior police officers not explaining as well as they could perhaps to officers on the beat what is and is not 
prohibited, what people can actually be prosecuted for. And I think this clearly demonstrates that there's a communication issue. We're starting to see that the vast majority of the public here in Northamptonshire are complying wholeheartedly. With Tell me about the Northamptonshire Chief Constable. What did he say in early April? The Chief Constable of Northamptonshire Police, Nick Adderley, gave a press conference aimed at reinforcing his message on people behaving responsibly and how the police would respond. Now, towards the end, he accidentally made some quite controversial statements. We will not at this stage be starting to marshal supermarkets and checking the items in baskets and trolleys to see whether it's a legitimate, necessary item. He said that if public resolve weakened, he intended within days to ask his officers to start searching shopping trolleys for non-essential goods and that he would be putting up roadblocks, which very swiftly prompted a climb down and Downing Street commented to make clear that shops shouldn't feel that they could not sell luxury goods to people. Be under no illusion. If people do not heed the warnings and the pleas that I'm making today, we will start to do that. We have much more to do and we see the death toll rising here in Northamptonshire. Was Northamptonshire Chief Constable, was it surprising when he said this? Did it lead to a big controversy? I think you have to think from the perspective of your average citizen stuck at home, looking out of the window, wondering what they can and can't do now that their freedoms have been restricted. To hear a chief constable say, I will ask my officers to search shopping trolleys, I will set up roadblocks, feeds into a sense that our freedoms have been limited. It's a very scary prospect. Are there limitations on these new powers for the police? Originally, uh, the government wanted these rules to last for two years. That's the legal editor, Jonathan Ames, again. But there were objections in the House of Lords and the government consented and then backed away and reduced the sunset clause, as it's called. In other words, when the sun sets on these rules and they reduced that to six months. So the rules will expire in six months time. They could be extended, but they have to be reviewed again in six months time. I mean, just judging by the mood music as Boris Johnson goes back into number 10. I mean, what we're hearing at the moment is that they're not rushing to rescind any of these rules quickly. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. As John Apter from the Police Federation told us, police officers going about their jobs are having to adjust to the new rules. I think people are finding their way through this minefield of legislation and guidance, which is new. You know, none of us have been trained to deal with this. We're having to use our the skills that we have as police officers, the art of persuasion, the art of explaining to the public and where we've got it wrong. We need to explain and put our hands up and say we've got it wrong. But at the same time, the public need to continue to support us because without their support, the enforcement will creep up. And that's where we come into conflict on a more regular basis. Simon Elson, an inspector with Gloucestershire Police, told us a little bit about what it's like going out for the first time once the new lockdown rules had been put in place. The first time I left the station, patrol the lockdown left me with an odd feeling. It was like driving around a film set. There was literally nobody about. It was eerily quiet. The only noise I heard was from my police radio. I took a picture and then sent it to a family WhatsApp group. And my mum replied, I hope you look after yourself. I've been a police officer 20 years and thought I'd seen and heard most things. This was different. The first person I politely asked why they were out was a middle-aged lady. Not sure why I even chose her. And it felt uncomfortable for both of us. I'm off to work in the bank, she said. And we both smiled and went on our separate ways. And where he did meet people, he had a new sort of duty that he'd never imagined he would have to carry out. The various images that we've seen and the individual cases that we've highlighted have certainly made a mark on public consciousness. When I became a police officer, and the same with any other police officer, you get given these incredible powers by a magistrate where you can take people's liberty. You can use reasonable force in the circumstance. You can challenge and direct people in, in a way that average citizens can't. There is real concern both at the Federation and in other areas of policing, that we could risk damaging the relationship with the public. They worry they'll lose popular support, but can you police by consent in a situation like this? Certainly, the longer lockdown goes on, the more that that relationship changes. And if public resolve slips or continues to slip, I've been told by officers that they're seeing more house parties, more exceptions to the rules. And if it continues to slip and enforcement has to increase or lockdown rules have to be made stricter for any reason, perhaps a second wave of infections, it could cause some damage. And I think that is potentially a problem. And this outbreak could be a big jolt that eats away at that trust quite significantly. Hello and welcome to The World at One with me, Johnny Diamond. The danger of sliding into a police state because of our response to the virus. From the lips of one of our most eminent jurists, Lord Sumption, former Justice of the Supreme Court. 
is frankly disgraceful. This is what a police state is like. It's a state in which the government can issue orders or express preferences with no legal authority and the police will enforce ministers' wishes. I have to say... What criticism has there been of these new laws and, and do the critics carry weight? There's been quite wide criticism from very senior people in the legal profession, not least um, a former Supreme Court judge, Lord Sumption, who is a very outspoken judge who indeed was fairly idiosyncratic when he was on the bench. I wouldn't suggest his, his rulings were necessarily idiosyncratic, but certainly <laughs> his demeanour, his personality is quite... I mean, he's great. He's got robust opinions. He's got a vivid collection of ties and he's got a very mad professor-style haircut. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but since he's retired, he has become very outspoken. There is a natural tendency, of course, and a strong temptation for the police to lose sight of their real functions and turn themselves from citizens in uniform into glorified school prefects. And then indeed, he's described these rules as being not far from a step on the road to a police state, which is quite dramatic language. And that's very strong. He makes a fairly good case. I think he would say that the balance had to be struck between dealing with a serious health emergency, but also looking at the historic liberties we have in this country and whether it's worth such draconian measures to effectively, I mean, it's quite brutal, but to save X number of lives. I mean, he hasn't quite put it in those terms, but I mean, that's pretty much what it means, that you sacrifice hard-won historic liberties in a second and you regret it for many years to come. He's not the only one. We've, uh, in the Times, have had a former independent overseer of terrorism legislation, a senior QC, also express very similar concerns, pretty much along the same lines as Sumption. And I think the important thing, to an extent, is that these criticisms are coming from what many would see to be the more conservative end or middle road of the legal profession. And for them to be expressing serious concerns about our civil liberties under these rules is something that I expect this government would take, take note of. For the police, how are the general crime figures doing? Are they busier than ever? In recent weeks, with everyone inside their houses, largely inside their houses, there's been a massive drop in most of what the police would refer to as day-to-day -day demand, in excess of 20% in most crime areas, with less demand from violent crime and the nighttime economy Officers are doing very different work, obviously, with the spectre of the virus hanging over them. Crime is down, and going out and telling people not to organise in groups outside and checking that people aren't leaving the house for the wrong reasons, it's not the worst or most challenging work that a police officer will do. But they are obviously dealing with the fear of getting the virus and, and going home to their families, worrying that they might have encountered someone who's given it to them. That, combined with the fact that you've got a minority of people who have responded by coughing or spitting at officers who are trying to do their jobs, makes it quite a difficult new landscape at times. Everybody keeps saying coronavirus will change us as a society forever. Do you think it might end up changing our relationship with the police and, and the law in the long run? I think there's a, there's a serious possibility that both those things could happen, that both the relationship with the police and our relationship with 
the law more broadly could be, you know, for lack of a better word, and I don't want to be too dramatic, but could become more adversarial. I mean, where we see the law as not something that assists us, but something that is imposed on us and, and constricts us and constrains us in our freedoms, and likewise the police being an agent of that. And I think that's not a position we've had in this country historically, and I think it would be a serious retrograde step if we did move that way. Does it set a dangerous precedent? Absolutely. I mean, I think the rule of law is a very important thing and it, it guides and sets the tone for almost every element of our lives. And if we allow the relationship of the population with the rule of law to change, I think that is a, a dangerous path to go down. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the crime correspondent for The Times, John Simpson, and legal editor, Jonathan Ames. You can read more of their work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Asia Fuchs and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by James Shield. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. In these uncertain times, you can keep up to date and well-informed on coronavirus and so much more every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.